I'm Michaela Lieberman. And I'm Jeff Bellin. Welcome to Office Hours. Today on the podcast, we've got the dean of the law school, Davison Douglas. That's right. We and, got him. And uh, yeah, another great get for the podcast. A great get. We keep reeling him in. Our producer's doing great work. Great work. Wit. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, Dave has lots to say about, obviously, the state of the law school, the state of the legal profession, yeah. and really interesting components of his background came out, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's a fixture here at the law school, um, and it's almost as though he was destined to become dean of a law school, just given his background and his training and how much he likes to work. The man likes to work, <laughs> and he puts in work. Yeah, it does seem like he's, he's working really hard. He's thinking about the right things, uh, student employment, helping us to be a better community, all these things that matter. Uh, he's on it. He's on it. You'll see. <laughs> And um, Professor Bellin has one request for Dean Douglas. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Raise his salary. What? Uh, That's I can put it out there. It's an ask. It's going to be effective. All right. So uh, where are we? Uh, and then so stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for Dave Douglas. Should we do it? Should we do another? T- <laughs> Welcome to Office Hours. I'm delighted to be here. We're thrilled to have you. Yep. It's a special day when you can get Dean Douglas. I, I mean, for more than a, a second, you're the busiest man around. But boy, is it kind of you to well, spend some time Well, I've been waiting for my invitation. <laughs> and you guys finally got around to me. Look, we had to play it cool for a you little did, bit. You right. did. We had to play it cool. It's a complex kind of, dynamic. To, yeah, it's I wasn't thing. sure this was coming. <laughs> well, it came. <laughs> See, came. All, dreams come true. <laughs> they do. Yeah, with just a little persistence, yeah. you too can be a guest on okay. Office Hours. Okay. Well, Dean Douglas, we're really happy to have you here, um, and we know you're a very well-loved figure at this law school, um, but you are, uh, I would say, very professional, and we'd like you to uh, get a little unprofessional with us. No, I'm just kidding. I just We want to know a little bit more about you. How did, where are you from? What's, okay. what's the deal? Who's, who's Davison M. Douglas? Okay. So I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I uh, went, did all my schooling there in the public schools. And uh, I will say a little bit about my childhood because it had a whole lot to do with me becoming a lawyer. Yeah. And it had a whole lot uh, to do with why I do the kind of law that I do. So um, I was uh, in the public schools in Charlotte. And in the early years, they were segregated. And uh, in the late 1960s, the most uh, extensive school desegregation decree in American history was entered by the judge in my city. And Charlotte became the most thoroughly desegregated school system in America. Um, I, I was president of the student body at my high school. And by virtue of that, I got very involved with the school board mm-hmm. in terms of how to uh, navigate uh, this, uh, the school desegregation order and how things would change at, at my high school. And out of that, I got very interested in race in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went on and later got a PhD in history, and my dissertation was on what had happened in Charlotte. And and I did that partly because that was my city, and I was very interested in it. But it was also Charlotte turned out to be a great city to study because school desegregation in Charlotte fared much better than most other cities. And so that was a lot of what my dissertation was about. uh, I went on to practice law before I, after law school before I became a law professor, and a lot of the work that I did did deal with uh, issues of race and civil rights, and I think a lot of this just comes out of my experiences as a child. 
And uh, so, and, and most of my legal scholarship uh, that I've done before I became dean dealt with issues of race and law. And so, um, yeah, so I think back, uh, I'm one of these people that I do what I do because of things I experienced when I was uh, 16 years old. Great story. And, and, and so one of the, our questions was related to this about what, what you were like in high school. So how would you describe uh, how you were as a high school student? Did you go by Dean then? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go by Dean mm -hmm. then. So um, I was involved in a lot of things. I was, uh, I was on the basketball team. I was on the soccer team. I was in the student government. Um, uh, I was on the debate team. Uh, wow. One of the pathetic parts of my narrative, I suppose, is I ultimately decided that I could not be on both the debate team and the basketball team uh -oh, because they conflicted. Uh -huh. And I chose the debate team. Interesting. And I have a lot of my friends whose kids tease me to this day <laughs> that I was so pathetic that I chose the debate team over the basketball team. Sure. But I did. Uh, and I, I wasn't all that good of a basketball player. <laughs> uh, did we had, you play center? Played center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Were you, were you also this statuesque? As a high schooler? Well, I was, uh, yeah, I was always tall. In fact, when I was in first grade, I was way taller than all the other kids, and we all got into our desk, and I didn't fit. Huh. And so they had to nail wooden blocks under, the, oh. the, under my desk to raise, it, to up raise it up so that I could sit. And wow. so I was always at the back in my little raised up oh. desk uh, so that I could. So I've always been very tall. Yes. Yeah. Do you hate answering those questions? No, it's, you know, it's fine. Actually, you know, except for riding on airplanes, I like being tall. I'd say uh, for the most part, it's a, it's a whim. It's yeah. not, it's, you know. You don't have uh, to tell me I'm 5'3". There you go. All right, so you're very tall. You are sent to the back of the room with this sad <laughs> in little first desk grade. in first grade. So, yeah, in, in, in high school, I was probably, yeah, I was involved in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say I was not uh, one of the coolest kids in the high school. Oh, come on. Uh, Mostly because of the desk you were sitting <laughs> at. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, that was only first grade. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got rid of the desk later. Um, but no, I, I uh, high school was good. I, I, well, it I, sounds like you were kind of a leader at, sort of at, leader. at the yeah. time yeah. of high school yeah. in a really important time, and yeah. that probably uh, yeah. speaks to where you are now in a, yeah. in a way. And you were so you were part of the student government organization yeah. at your at your school. Yeah. And it, you know, I think about student government when I was in high school, and like the biggest issue facing us was like, can we get vending machines in the building? <laughs> right. I mean, that that's a tremendous amount of responsibility to have as a high school student. In, um, to deal with the details of desegregation. And well, here, I'll give you an example. Yeah. One of the issues um, was, uh, so what do we do about homecoming? In, the, in, in, in our school, there was a tradition, uh, the football players elected sort of a, a homecoming queen. Yeah. Uh, this was back in the 1960s. And uh, at this point, the, our high school is probably about 35% African-American and about... Uh, 65% white, and it became, and, and this was, we were still kind of figuring this out, and it was clear that if it was just sort of a straight up vote, uh, we were going to have a white homecoming queen, mm -hmm. and uh, this was sort of one, some of the early years, and how does that go, and so this is something we debated in student council and ultimately decided uh, that the football players would elect two homecoming queens. And so they did elect two homecoming mm -hmm. queens. One was black, one was white. And that was as a result of a lot of, you know, sort of negotiation. Mm -hmm. There were people that didn't like that outcome, but that's kind of what we went with. 
you know, the early years were not easy. There was some, uh, there was some violence. Um, I wound up on the wrong end of a razor blade at one point. You're uh, kidding. Wow. Um, so it was, uh, but you know, I ultimately became somebody that thought, and not all of my friends did, that school desegregation was the right way to go. It was important, and in fact, it was vindicated because Charlotte became such a successful place where mm -hmm. test scores for both racial groups went up as a result of school desegregation. But, wow. um, uh, and it's funny, I went off to college, and, and I remember this. Uh, so I went to Princeton, and a lot of my classmates there were taking sophomore level this and sophomore mm -hmm. level that in their freshman year. I was taking 101 yeah. everything. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure that I can gonna be able to keep up with these folks because I went to this large public high school and I, they're all taking special courses, weren't offered at my school. Okay. But I remember thinking, you know, I got, an, I, got an I got a different kind of education than they did, but what I got was a very valuable education mm -hmm. about, about life and about dealing with difference and navigating difference. And yeah. so I wound up, it took me a couple of years to figure out, you know what, I got a great education. talked about you practiced a little what what brought you to law teaching or how did you end, end up at a yeah so when I was in law school I thought I wanted to be a, uh, an academic I thought I wanted to be an academic probably even before I went to law school mm -hmm. uh, and I was debating whether to do uh, pursue uh, law or history in mm -hmm. particular because you had a PhD a P yeah uh -huh. well I went ahead and got a PhD oh, in I history see. and got uh -huh. a law degree partly because uh, I knew I wanted to be an academic, but I wasn't sure what field. Both of those fields were of interest to me, so I wound up pursuing both. Um, and uh, I knew eventually that I, and then I decided that law teaching would, I got some advice from some people, and they said, you know, law teaching would probably be better. You could still do history in a law school, which is sort of what I've done. But that would be, there'd be better opportunities, there are more jobs, and so I pursued the law side. But I didn't go into it at first because I remember when I was in law school, the best teachers I had were the ones who'd been out practicing yeah. law for a number of years. Yeah. The ones who were pretty much right off of a clerkship, I didn't think were as good at teachers. And so I said, I'm going to practice law for a while. I wound up practicing law longer than I thought I would. I practiced law for about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And what finally changed it for me is by a quirk of circumstance, I knew the dean at the University of Iowa Law School. Hmm. And one day I'm I get a call from him, totally out of the blue, and he says, would you like to come to the University of Iowa for a semester and teach, huh. and teach constitutional law? We have this program where we bring in people from practice to do this. Yeah. So I talked to my partners in my law firm, and they said, go for it. Great. And so I went, and it was, I had been at the University of Iowa in the middle of winter for Ooh. about five days, and I said, I'm done. I'm <laughs> gonna be a law professor. Wow. And so, uh, I almost stayed out there or thought about it. I mean, they were in, I was in conversation with them about the possibility of staying, but I really had a desire more to come back to this part of the country where I'm from, mm -hmm. and so I went on the market the next year and wound up here oh, at wow. William & Mary. Just to backtrack a little bit, you don't just have a PhD and a JD as if those weren't enough. You also have a series of other degrees, right? It's a little bit like an alphabet soup. Well, it is. I, and now, here's my problem. I, I had a hard time deciding what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I actually, can see the, that. So the first degree I actually pursued was a, a, a degree uh, in divinity school. Mm -hmm. So I went to divinity school. Yeah, tell us about I, that. Well, I, you know, so I had these sort of three interests as a college student, okay. really. Uh, I had an interest in theology, perhaps becoming a minister. Mm -hmm. I had an interest in history to become a, law pro uh, a history professor and an interest in law to be a lawyer, uh, particularly probably a civil rights lawyer, which 
because of my childhood. And I didn't know which, I liked them all. And so I just did all of them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and then ultimately decided, uh, the, the first one to drop off was the, the becoming a minister. I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm working in a church, and I realize I have nothing to say to people because I haven't lived <laughs> right. enough of life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. So maybe later in life, but not now. It just didn't make any sense for me being that young. And so then the focus became more of history or law, and then I just wound up doing both of them. Uh, um, and it's been, you know, it, it, I, 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 my family would tease me about how long I stayed in New Haven, Connecticut, which I did for mm-hmm. a number of well, years. Well, the pizza's but, great. But so. the pizza is really good there, <laughs> yeah. actually. Thank you for knowing that. So uh, I wound up being an offer, offered a job here at William & Mary, which was great because I really did, I was interested in being at a good law school, but also I like this part of the country. I mean, I love the University of Iowa, but it was, I remember thinking, it's just far away from what I know, and so I'd rather be here. So it worked out beautifully to be here at William & Mary. I started out teaching sort of what they, you know, they had things they wanted me to teach. I did teach legal history, which was mm-hmm. good. Um, and they also wanted me to do labor and employment law. So in my early years, I did evidence in labor and employment law. Oh, which, evidence. Uh, yeah, we I did evidence, evidence for years. Expert, yeah. right? We've yeah, talked yeah, about exactly. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I loved. I think evidence is a very fun course to teach. And uh that was uh, that was actually probably our, that was the first class I ever taught here yeah. was a class in evidence and uh, taught labor law and employment law as well which is uh, I was basically hired to f- to fill us two gaps legal history gap mm-hmm. and labor and employment law gap and then I think over the years I've taught more than fifteen courses I like I, I as you can probably tell I maybe I get bored easily I just like doing different things and so I would volunteer I taught contracts for a while. I've taught uh, constitutional law, I've taught Section 1983, I've taught uh, law and religion, um, lots of different things, and that's more fun for me. I know some faculty kind of like doing the same thing, and I get that, but after about four or five years of doing something, I'm ready to do something else uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in the classroom. So, and William Mary's been very good to have allowed me to do that, yeah. Wow. And then there's a the big history piece here, which might have touched on your history interests. Yeah, exactly. I had come to Williamsburg as a child. Uh, you know, my family had taken a trip up here, uh, and I just was enthralled mm-hmm. uh, with Colonial Williamsburg. And mm-hmm. so the chance to be here and live here. And, you know, when I came here, I think I was in my late 20s. And, I, you know, when you're at that age, you're thinking, well, I'll be here for a few years, and then I'll go on and do something else because sure. you spend your entire 20s doing something else. Yeah. And... Uh, I liked it, yeah. and uh, here you are, and here I am, and my wife and I really love it here. And occasionally we've thought about doing something else, but it's mm-hmm. sort of like, God, this is this is a great place to live. It's a great community. It's a great university. Here we are. Here we are. Here we I know. Are. Well, I was going to say, don't leave, and then I realized, well, I'm a third year, so <laughs> you have my blessing to do whatever it is that makes you happy. <laughs> You know, and it sounds like you're just going to say you got tired of what you were doing and you moved on to. But so, like, what drew you to become the dean? So, you know, I remember reading a story about um, the manager of the New York Yankees. I'm a New York Yankees fan. And he said something interesting about why he became a manager. And he said, you know, he was a catcher. Mm-hmm. And he said, I spent so much of my baseball career watching what the manager did mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, that was a good move, that was not such a good move, and, and just, but he was paying attention. And I remember uh, after I had been here for a while, I started doing the same thing. I'd sort of watch what the dean did. And I'd sort of, I said, oh, that's an interesting move on his part, or he handled that pretty well. That was, that was, 
And so I just, I, I, I realized what I was doing as I was becoming more and more interested myself in becoming a dean. Hmm. And, uh, and so finally I did decide to do that and had the opportunity uh, to do it here, which was fantastic, um, and, and started in 2009. Uh, and it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's yeah. a much harder job, uh, a much more consuming job than being a law professor, but it's been very satisfying. And um, so I will tell you one interesting thing that occurred to me after I had been dean for a year or two that ties into uh, playing basketball. So when I played basketball, you asked, was I a center? Yeah, I was down under the basket and my job was always to score. And I, I came up, I, I realized that the, that the job of the law school dean is to play point guard. And mm -hmm. see, I never got to play point guard because I was always too tall. Because the, what does the point guard do? The point guard distributes the ball and makes sure, the point guard knows that Jeff likes the ball to the right <laughs> side of the basket. I gotta get the ball to Jeff there so uh -huh. he can score. Yeah. And Michaela likes the, the ball over here just around the foul line. Yeah. So the job of the dean of the law school as I conceptualized it was is I had had the chance to score as a law faculty member mm -hmm. all these years. Now it was my time to help other people mm -hmm. succeed in what they wanted to do. And so uh, I, I enjoy doing that. And uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting time to be a law school dean because this has been yes. a pretty tumultuous time in legal education. Yep. Um, the other thing that was, it was, has been immensely pleasurable to me in this is uh, because I had been a faculty member for almost 20 years by the time I became dean, when it came time for me to go out and visit our alumni, which uh, every dean does, a lot of the folks I was visiting were my former students. Yeah. And I can't tell you how gratifying it was, or has been, to sit down with somebody that I knew when they were 1L, and now they're a managing partner of a law firm, yeah. or now they're running some organization, or right. f have founded a major nonprofit. So I've loved that aspect of it. And so to be dean here, where I had been a professor for so long was, yeah. was particularly satisfying for yeah. me. I mean, it sounds like a very, very hard job. It sounds very gratifying, but also very hard. I'm wondering if you can um, tell us a little bit about some of the things you find most challenging. Well, the, th the part of the, being a law dean right now, and I think a lot of deans would say this is most aggravating, is, the, is how you have to manage to some extent, and often to a significant extent, to the U.S. News rankings. Yeah because there are so many constituencies, applicants, students, faculty to some extent, alumni, who care greatly about what the U.S. News ranking is. And the U.S. News rankings are set up in a way that some of the things that they value, you might not put as much emphasis on if you didn't have U.S. News. And the classic example is this, the, the part of U.S. News ranking that drives a very substantial part of what the ultimate outcome is, is how many dollars do you spend per student? Mm -hmm. The more dollars you spend per student, the higher you are ranked in U.S. News. Well, if you think about it, what we've tried to do here at Women and Mary is we've tried to hold down the cost. Sure. And we've always done that because uh, we, it, it, it's, it's been a great model for us. Our students can come here, they can get a great education, but they can graduate without a mammoth amount of debt. And that's been, since I came here 30 years ago, that's been sort of how we've operated. But that cuts against, that hurts us in U.S. News. What we ought to do is, is be raising our expenses as mm -hmm. much as we can mm -hmm. and spend more dollars per student and charge the students more. Uh, and it's maddening to be punished. We've chosen not to do that. We still right. don't do that. We're still one of the more, uh, for the net 
that students pay to go to law school were still a very good deal, uh, particularly for a school of our quality. But, and so we've chosen not to follow that path, but it hurts us in U.S. news uh, because we would do better if we uh, spent, made it a lot more expensive. And uh, so that's an example of how U.S. news is maddening sure. um, because uh, you want to do things that are in the best interest of the school, in the best interest of the students, in the best interest of their education, and sometimes U.S. news takes you in a different direction. How, how would you say you, like, how would you roughly break down how much time you spend on various activities? Is it, is it a lot of fundraising, or is it uh, a lot of kind of talking with people in your office, or what, what do you do with your time? Well, there is a lot of external time, first of all, and a, a big chunk of the external time is meeting with alumni. Um, now, the meeting with alumni, a lot of that is fundraising, but a lot of it is, is also talking to them, getting a sense of the profession, what's important, uh, what are they looking for. Uh, so a lot of it actually folds into employment. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I go meet with an alum, I may talk to them about making a gift to the law school, but I'm also talking about uh, do they have hiring needs? Uh, where do they see the market going? Um, so it's, it is more than simply fundraising, but that is a lot of what it is. And then some of the other external part of the job is I'm on a lot of bar committees, uh, and so I'm out of the office a good bit doing sort of uh, work related to the work of the law school that takes me, takes me outside the and community. And you're, you're on these committees by virtue of being the dean? Is by that by virtue of being the dean. Uh -huh. So yeah, I'm on a committee right now uh, that deals with issues of wellness in the profession, which is a major thing. And, and uh, uh, this is convened by the Chief Justice of Virginia. Okay. Um, and a, a good bit, there are, there are lawyers there, there are judges, and there are law deans uh, who are, and we're putting together ideas about how to uh, deal with uh, wellness issues uh, in the profession and wellness issues in legal education. So that takes a fair amount of time, and, and, uh, but that's, that's good, and it's, it's, it's for the good of the students. So that's a lot of the time. Interestingly, this is the part I didn't anticipate. A lot of my time's on the main campus. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on a lot of uh, sort of strategic initiatives on the main campus. They'd like to have deans on some of these strategic initiatives. So I'm, some amount of my time is just simply not stuff that directly relates to the law school, but it's important to the university. And, it, and I think it's an important for a dean to really try to situate the law school as much as possible within the university and be part of the university. We're a little bit physically removed. We can sometimes you know, uh, be a little lost by being several blocks away. So uh, I view myself as sort of as an ambassador, if you will, to the main campus mm -hmm. to help them understand how important the law school is, how good the law school is. We have a fantastic faculty. Uh, here at the law school, and it's important for the campus to know that. And then a lot of it is just, uh, Jeff, there are decisions almost daily that have to, some small, many small, some large, about the management of the law school. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, a large swath of employees here who are, uh, you know, going about their uh, d the different areas that they're pursuing on behalf of the law school. I meet with uh, the leadership of that group on a regular basis, and um, I sometimes think that the job of the dean is just to make decisions, just sit, you know, sometimes large and small. And that is part of it. But the trick is, too, then the final piece is you're out meeting with alumni, you're fundraising, you're out, you're making these sort of daily decisions, but you've also got to carve out time for 
what are the things that you can do that will really make a difference? Mm -hmm. What's going to move the law school forward in a significant way and make sure you have enough time to do that? Because it's easy to get caught in the tyranny of the urgent. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what's your, like, when you get back to your office, how many kind of new emails are you going to have or calls or? It, it's, it's, it, I'd say every day I probably have 75 to 100 emails that I have to respond to. Ooh, gosh. Uh, I'm so having I'm, heart palpitations. I'm, I'm hitting some of those through the day. Yeah. And then some of those I'm hitting at night. Um, frankly, what increasingly happens is once the building gets quiet at about 536 o'clock, I can really drill down and start getting yeah. things done. Uh, and I don't do this every night, but a lot of nights of the week I'm here because that's when I can, you know, it's quiet. Because during the day it's yeah. bum, 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 bum. Everybody right. say, hey, I need to ask you a question sure. right. here. I need Faculty to members coming down to complain about something. Right. <laughs> Office hours host saying hours. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is fun. I mean, I love doing what we're doing here. But And, and no, you know, actually the, the faculty are good. I mean, you know, a lot of the faculty come down with ideas. Of, you know, yeah. here's, here's an idea that maybe we could pursue. And. And uh, so I enjoy. This is, I'm who's, an the most, who's the most difficult member of the faculty? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a difficult Right, member? he doesn't seem to even conceive of that. Yeah, it's it's funny, and this shows gosh. why he'd be a good dean and I'd be That's terrible because right. I would just be, I have no time for yeah. people who's complaining. Who's the most difficult I'd be like, do you want to be dean? Do you take over? <laughs> that would be my response to any complaint. I think it helps being an extrovert because yeah. uh, uh, I like talking to people. Yeah. A lot of what you're doing in this job is you're talking to people, you're sure. talking to faculty, you're talking to students, you're talking to alums. And so... Uh, it, it's it's I'm somebody frankly that likes having a lot of action going. That's yeah. just I'm happy when I got a lot of stuff going, and uh, this job provides that. And that's like so. So I'll get back to my office and I'll be hitting the refresh button and be like, something's wrong with the, calling <laughs> IT. I haven't gotten any emails in a couple <laughs> hours. Is there something wrong with that? No, it's working also perfectly. Not text. Okay. <laughs> right. Interesting. Right. right. So it's the opposite of that job. But it reminds me of when I was a prosecutor. That's how it was. I get back to my office and there'd be just a million emails. You couldn't even respond to them all. But I. But I. My personality is I do enjoy the frenzy a little bit yeah it seems like it and so when you're not here what do you do to unwind do you yeah you just like to well continue I'm, to I'm, answer emails chaos? so uh i'm very physically active uh so i cycle a lot i okay. exercise i exercise every like day. outdoors you cycle? outdoors you know who else cycles Professor Bell. <laughs> Professor Bell. Right. Like, yeah, did you ever use the, the trail? The, which uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. We probably pass each other. Yeah, yeah. You probably yeah. passed me by. Yeah. Are you like a real? Do you have like a real bike and the whole thing? Yeah, actually, I need a new bike. I've uh -huh. been. I've, I have a touring bike and a and a a, a, a hybrid. But uh, uh -huh. earlier in my years, I would when I took vacations, I would take two week uh, vacations on my bicycle wow. all over the. Uh, uh, the, the west western part of the United States and, and Europe and that, I don't do that as much anymore but sure. I do ride a lot um, I exercise a lot mm -hmm. I actually I found you can't be a law dean unless you're really exercising a lot yeah. to just yeah. release a lot of huh. the, the stress that you have um, and uh, I like traveling yeah um, and my family is scattered around, but in some good places like okay. uh, Colorado. So uh, my wife and I are out in Colorado a lot, uh, visiting them. And uh, so, yeah, those are those are some of the things I like to do. Sounds good to me. I'm glad yeah. to hear that you're finding balance because I we would. felt like uh, when President Reveley was here that he needed more balance. I think, yeah, President Ridley, if you're listening, again, we just <laughs> want to send this message home. Find some more balance. Well, he is, but he's retiring. He's retiring. He so has yeah. an extraordinary work ethic. Wow. And, and he catches a second wind well into the evening. Uh -huh. And uh, I don't, I, it, it, it really is astonishing, yeah. his, his ability to crank things out. Uh, some of us struggle to find a first wind. <laughs> <laughs>
share a little bit about some of the issues facing le legal mm -hmm. education. Yeah. What are some of those things that you think about? Like what what are what are some of the, the well one challenges? of the things one yeah. of the things frankly I probably think about more than anything else is uh, helping our students find employment mm -hmm. because that's why you're here. Sure. And uh, the job market for in legal education has shrunk uh, over the last several years. Um, and it's shown up, and this has probably been a good thing, in the, the number of students going to law school right now is less than it used to be. Yeah. At our high water mark five or ten years ago, more than 50,000 1Ls would show up in law school in America every year, and now, now that's down to about 36,000. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's been, a, frankly, a good thing, because, and a lot of that's driven by the fact that uh, jobs and, and, and law have, have declined. So what, our, what my goal is here is to be able to say to a student that walks in the door, if you come to William & Mary, we can get you where you want to go, both in terms of the substance of your work as well as where the work might be. Because we have, this last year, our students went to 27 different states. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably the thing I'm most, uh, that's on my mind in some ways the probably most. the most, is, uh, and Mike Endy, who runs Career Services, I will tell you, uh, Almost every time he hears that a student's got a job, he sends me an email. He tells me who it is and what they got, and uh, and I love it. Uh, you know, I'm always when I'm checking my email. That's one of the <laughs> first things I'm looking for. Did I get an email from Mike Indy about somebody getting a job? Uh -huh. um, and I'll, I'll, I will say this uh, for the faculty, um, and I think the faculty feel this way. It's it, it's it's almost like. I don't know. There's a little sense of pride. And, yeah, you know, I remember this student when they were here as a one L, and now they've, you know, they're out and they've got this great job. You've got this great job for next year, and I got to tell you, well, that means something to us, and uh, it means something to me. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Uh, um, and so, uh, so that's a lot of it is is employment. Um, Part of it, too, is making sure we have enough resources in the law school that we can keep the tuition where it is sure. and be able to offer good financial aid. Uh, so I think a lot about that. A lot of that is my, the fundraising work. But we have a very generous alumni body, and it's been, uh, and so they've really stepped up for us in these, in these more challenging times. So I'm thinking a lot about that. And, and then just also thinking about What's the future of legal education? Yeah. You know, uh, because it's we're going to see a lot of change. You know, there's just tremendous technological change in our society today. This is going to affect legal education too, and so we there, you cannot just focus on what's right in front of your nose. You got to be thinking, what's it going to be like in four or five years, and and how's this all going to work, and where are the changes happening, and uh, so I try to make some time uh, to do that, but um, yeah. If you listen to our last episode of Office Hours, it features Fred Lederer uh -huh. and two other professors from the Center for Legal and Court Technology, yeah. and they would be happy to tell you about those technological challenges that are yeah, facing. Yeah, this is a lot of what they talked about, that there's less need for lawyers and humans. So it it's out. kind of the whole world is coming to an end in the next few years. Yeah. So, you know, you might think about <laughs> cycling a little more, <laughs> answering emails a little less. Right. Right. But just uh, exactly tying into what you're talking about. The, right. the other thing we wanted to ask you about uh, was kind of how you see the law school and how are we positioned and kind of what do you think uh, we're going to do going forward that's different, if anything, from what we've been doing? Well, I think I, th I think some of the trademarks of the law school that are really important for us to hold on to is, number one, we have a great community here. And I've taught at a lot of different law schools as a visitor. 
Uh, and I really see a difference. Often it's, it's the difference between an urban law school and a college town law school. Urban law schools often, the faculty are diffuse, the students are diffuse, there's not a sense of community. We have a very strong sense of community, I think an unusually strong sense of community between students and faculty. Very important for us to hold on to that because I think it, that matters to a lot of people that choose to do their legal education here. So um, we've, we, we've, uh, that's something that, that we really need to, uh, to hold on to. We need to, as we have chances to hire people, as you know, Jeff, uh, the hiring process is a, is a long and, and it's a very, very careful process, but we need to continue to, um, when we do have chances to hire, hire really, really terrific people who are not just good as, who are terrific scholars, but also who are committed to teaching. Yeah. I think that's really important to us and our brand and who we are as a law school. What we're trying to do is continue to expand uh, sort of the full range of opportunities that students have in different markets, but, um, but to be able to have the sort of national footprint that we have. Um, and also to make sure that we keep our alumni close to us because one of the things that, I've, that, that we've developed is we now have alums in virtually every city in America who have said to me personally, you got a student who wants to come to San Diego, I'm in San Diego, you send, send them to me. me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's fantastic, because that's a lot of how people get connected uh, for employment or other opportunities in life. And, and I'm I love the fact that our alums, we have so many of our alums that want to do that. And yeah. so to keep yeah. that going. We, I think, have one of the better alumni networks, as I talked to some of my fellow deans, uh, of, of any of the law schools. Uh, people are proud of their experience here. They're proud of the citizen lawyer ethic that we have. Um, and I think we need to preserve that. And so now knowing where you come from and your background and this tremendous connection to school desegregation and civil rights, um, do you miss that work? So most law deans, a majority of law deans do not teach because they just have way too much going on. And I, I decided when I became dean I was going to teach. And the one course I was going to teach, it was a course I had, it was one of the courses I'd always taught, was a course on, on race in America. Yeah. And um, I did that partly because that's kind of my area of interest and I kind of wanted to stay connected to it. I also um, just think this is a really important issue in America. And I was starting to notice that some of our students were coming in and they're sort of having a, a lot I thought lacked sort of a deep understanding of our racial history and thought that was really important for our students, particularly who are going to become lawyers, to, to have a deeper sense of that. So I've already always continued to teach that course. Um, I, 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 at some point I, will, I won't be the dean, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll retire and I'll go back to being a faculty member and I will uh, hope, to, I, I have a, there's a, I'm writing a biography right now of an African American woman that just had this extraordinary life in the 20th century around, uh, primarily around issues of race. The book's about three-fourths finished, but wow. when I became dean, I've hardly touched it. Mm -hmm. And so I really look forward to being able to go back and doing that uh, and getting back into some of the research uh, that, I, that I used to be able to do. Um, uh, my wife knows this about me. One of the, some of the days I enjoy the most are the days in an archive somewhere and yeah. just re reading through the papers of someone. I, I just love that. Yeah. And uh, I lo I've always loved history. And uh, so at some point, um, you know, I'll decide, I don't know when, it's not in the immediate future, uh, that I'll say, you know what, I think it's time to be a faculty member again and I'll 
uh, teach and, and go back to my research, most of which will probably be around issues of, of race, race and history. Yeah. Let's do the game. All right. Okay. The game is called, Is This a Faculty Member, specifically an Adjunct Professor, or the Real Name of a Celebrity? Is this a faculty member or the real name of a celebrity? Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's some celebrities who have, like, a stage name yeah, that everyone knows yeah. them by, but then there's yeah. a real name. And so we tried to find uh, adjunct faculty members whose names might throw you. Oh, adjunct faculty. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Adjunct so obviously, faculty. you know, we think, we didn't think that you'd, you'd yeah. saw, like, Jeffrey Bellin, and then you say, like, I have no, no idea who's <laughs> It's me. It's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, raising my hand in the background. No, so you have to say is if it's an adjunct faculty member or if it's the, a celebrity. All right, so, so here's the first one. Robert H. Thomas. Adjunct faculty member. <laughs> and yeah, do you actually yeah, right. know that, or are you just guessing? Oh, I know him. Good. You yeah. know him. Okay, know good. Him. Yeah, so he teaches this is, property law? He's going to teach uh, a course in eminent domain and property theory. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anna Mae Bullock. Celebrity. Very good. For extra points, do you know who that is? I don't. I didn't either. It's Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Yeah. All right, here's your next one. Robert Allen Zimmerman. Bob Dylan. You got it. <laughs> Here's the next one. Paul Hutter. Uh, adjunct. You got that right. And we're delighted to have him. <laughs> he does a great job. And he has a fabulous daughter who's he on does. staff here, right? He does. He yeah. does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. That's too easy, yeah. then. Okay, good. You're All right. There. Gordon Thomas Sumner. Gordon Thomas Sumner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a historical figure. But it's I, it does. It does yeah. have a little historical ring to it. I, I think I'm going to go celebrity on that one. <laughs> yeah, you know who that is? Uh-uh. Sting. Sting. Yeah. Oh, I love Sting. I know. his <laughs> name. Well, he's going to be disappointed in you. All right, yeah, next really. we've got... Is Sting teaching a class? Sting is not. But, you know, we could, we could work on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if we can Make send up. some feelers out to Sting. Yeah. Catherine Elizabeth Hudson. Kate Hudson. You know what? It's a great guess. <laughs> it is a great guess. It it's is not a celebrity. Right. It's, it's not, not right, right unfortunately. Okay. Different, yeah, it's different a different But it, it is a different... Catherine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not going to guess this. Celebrity? Yeah, it's a yeah. celebrity. Oh, I, I, I thought he's going to, he's guessing Catherine that. It's Katy Perry. Oh, oh Katie, he's not going to guess. Katy Perry, really? Yeah, Katy Perry. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, she never told you that? She didn't she tell didn't. you that was her name? No, yeah, she Catherine didn't. Elizabeth Hudson. All right. All right, you're next. Okay, Monica McCarroll. Monica McCarroll. I got to go celebrity. <laughs> it is a good celebrity name. Unfortunately, she does teach electronic discovery. Oh, or, she or does. Will be. She, that's she right. Will be. Yes, yes, she will be teaching yeah. electronic discovery. But maybe she should think about her but career. But she should, could be a celebrity. Yeah, totally. <laughs> She's got that sort of celebrity uh, vibe to that's it. Yeah, right. the, the alliteration of the first. All right, so yeah. and then uh, next, Tommy Miller. Tommy Miller could be considered a, a celebrity <laughs> and an adjunct. That is there exactly right. Well, Dean Douglas, it has been just a pleasure getting to speak with you, getting to be here at the law school under your leadership. I know we're all very grateful for your hours and hours of service. So thank well, you. Well, thank you for what you guys do. I think you all have created something that is, uh, that's really been fun. It's been uh, – a lot of people are listening to you, as I you probably so. know. My I assistant think... Cassie is a regular listener. <laughs> she's, she's been great. She's, she's let us know. Yeah. She's yeah. been great. She's all over. But everybody's question is, does this live on? Well, Bellin, what do you think? <laughs> I'll take that as a, he's considering. So 
So that's our podcast with Dean Douglas. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. We hope you did enjoy it. I certainly did. It was really interesting to talk to him, to hear about his background, to hear about his thoughts on the law school and its future. Um, and it feels like a pretty good one to wrap up with. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was one of our better podcasts, and uh, it's because we've gotten pretty good at it. Yeah, well, we're 10 episodes in, and um, that's where we're going to end this season. Yeah, it looks like it. We might try to get uh, James Comey on the podcast. Yeah, hey, hey Jim. <laughs> Jim, call us, okay? We're right. trying to it's coming down. It's coming down to William & Mary next week. Maybe yeah. we'll put out a feeler, but if not, it's possible he'll say no. And, it's probable he'll and, say no. And that'll be a wrap for the season yeah. of He Office is being hours. interviewed by Anderson Cooper, so I'm wondering if Andy right, What's up with that? I mean, hello, you come to William & Mary, you're going to do an event. Like we have a podcast. Well. Yes. Yeah, where, where does Anderson Cooper suddenly run in? Where was he when Reevely wanted to do a podcast? That's right, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so we have beef with Anderson Cooper. <laughs> he could come on. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm that like, would remove it. Yeah, that would remove the beef. Anderson. If he's interested to stop beefing with us, <laughs> get on the show. You're right, because it could be fatal to his career. <laughs> I mean, we are powerful movers and shakers in the media world. You got that right. So anyway, we think we're wrapping. Um, but don't be surprised if we come back with a surprise episode <laughs> later on in the, in the school year or in the summer. Because well, if it's a surprise episode, they'll be surprised. You're right. That's how it works. Um, but Professor Bellin, if we don't, I want to say it's been a pleasure. Yes, I've very much enjoyed recording the podcast. Good, he's on record as saying that. Uh, I felt I felt like it was a great way to get to know the people that came on. Totally, and, this is a great community, and it was a nice piece. I think it added to the Women Mary community. Um, the problem is Michaela is graduating, so let's let's put in perspective well, who's time. ripping the podcast apart. Right, I'm still here next year. Wit, are you here next year? Wit probably is going to be around. He uh, says, I don't he's know. not committing. But I think he's going to be right. here. And then Michaela decided to graduate. Well, fine. She's local. So we might, uh, we might be able to entice her to come back and do some more episodes, <laughs> depending on uh, public demand. Yeah. We anticipate it to be low. So <laughs> best of luck to everyone in finals. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. <laughs>